What's up, everybody? So I want to let you know that the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes are still going on. And that's just a rad opportunity not only to stock up on your Alpha Brain or give Alpha Brain a try. Because if you haven't tried Alpha Brain, it's definitely one of those tools that's different than any stimulant you've had and gets your brain firing in an absolutely different way. And that's what our clinical research has shown, and that's what everybody who's tried it. You know, we've sold over a million bottles of Alpha Brain, and the results are in. It works. It's awesome. So this is a great opportunity, though, because if you get the Golden Ticket Sweepstakes, everybody is a winner, and there's a bunch of cool shit that we're giving away, from kettlebell sets to different other products, to discounts. Every single person is going to be a winner if you go to the golden ticket sweepstakes so check it out on it.com slash golden ticket and then enter the code and fill in the entry form there's going to be a grand prize for one of you which is going to be a trip out here to austin and on hq so you'll be able to come hang at the hq and do all the awesome on it things so definitely check it out go to on it.com slash golden dash ticket and get your 30 count or 90 count bottle of alpha brain what up? What man? up, man? What's going on, brother? Back at it. Back at it again. Back in Austin. Brandon Shaw, Big how, Brown, how heavyweight fighter turned entrepreneur turned comedian, <laughs> fucking killing the game. Trying shoe man. head. What do you call a shoe head? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, shoe head. Shoe head. Shoe head. Shoe yeah, head shoe head work. I'm trying to think something <laughs> clever. I don't know, man. What's so, going on, brother? Not much, brother. So I was listening to your 206 recap, and you're yeah. saying, you know, getting maybe getting the studio set up and a few mm. things got you a little stressed, Big Brown. Uh, yeah, I'd say stress understatement. I had my Kanye West moment where I had like a straight, like you were just fucking Kim Kardashian or what? Uh, I wish that'd be a cool <laughs> Kanye West moment. I mean, like I had like a panic attack breakdown because on the show and to my family and friends, it's like. With the, I, I mean, I'll, I'll paint the the picture here. So, our deal with Fox, we had a TV deal, and um, we got greenback for the pilot. Blah blah blah. Brian Cowan, myself, and it's gonna be a sports comedy sketch show. So sports mixed in with what Brian and I do. It can't be an yeah. all sports show. Brian doesn't know sports. It just can't. It doesn't fit on the network. And that got greenlit. And then uh, another gentleman came in who was new and was like guys we got to do it has to be an all sports show and i'm like well we, that's not what we do it, nor is it what we wanted sure do. like not, brian i can't they're right well what do we think about doing it with someone else I'm like well that's not happening like i, I would never i can't yeah. i've never do that to brian and so we both parties agreed to not do that so that's whatever that's fine and then uh our agent at ca goes well in the contract you guys were is one kind of whole some here where the podcast, the TV deals, the personality deals, it's all one contract. It's not like podcast separate. Sure. So by them canceling the TV show, it cancels your podcast agreement too. And I, hmm. Well, that's good because the goal for Brian and I has always been to be on our own. Like we were there. It was a good time. Sure. You know, at the time we, when we first got started, we didn't, we had no idea. Yeah, it was two, two dummies. Made it easy. Got you some initial credibility. It was good. Yeah. I was like, you're part of the Fox brand, but also it was just Brian and I weren't planning to make this a career or business or make yeah. any money. We're just like, whatever. So it was a good part, but we, we'd like to kind of go off our own one day if something happened to it. And so, you know, we found out we we're free. So we had to talk with Fox and they did their negotiation. It was just business. I was like, cool, man. At the end of the year, we're just going to go on our own. Like, all right, that's fair. We understand because they want a part, and by part, I mean half of what we're doing now. I'm like, I just, I just can't bring myself to agree to those terms. We shouldn't go on our own. And granted, we want to do that anyways. And so they go, we'd appreciate it if you don't talk about it on the podcast. I went, that's going to be tough. <laughs> it, it, it's always been tough. And this is what you get with me. It's a double-edged sword. Like, 
I think it's what makes our show very unique, but it also gets me in trouble. And when I say trouble, that we can define trouble, but also gets me in trouble as far as the regular civilian world goes because apparently if you tell the truth or what's going on, that's frowned upon and especially in that atmosphere, the suit atmosphere. And right. So Fox and my manager and my agent, like we don't think you should go on the podcast. Talk about it. I said, that's just not happening guys. I I've, I've always stuck to my gut. I'm like, you can't do that because what I'm just at the end of the year, like, okay, we're leaving Fox. See, you know, here's what's going on. People are like, what the, What's up with that? I've never been that guy. You're always talking about what's going on. Always. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on a little tear here. And I was being PG-13. I I thought I did well. I was like, damn, I was really, I'm proud of myself. I really censored. I I was really cool, calm, collect, and drink too much coffee and go off, you know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) There's no animosity, nothing. I just, you know, I was trying to be funny. I said, you know, Fox Sports, because they're going through this huge transition period, especially on the digital side. I said, it's like the walking dead around this bitch. You know, just making jokes like I do. Yeah. I mean, one of the big suits heard it and we're like, we can't have that. And later, literally that show aired at 9 a.m. I got a call at 10 a.m. from my agent goes, hey, man, uh, they're not happy. You need to go in and apologize. Like, well, that's not happening, my man. Like, <laughs> what would I apologize for? For being, what, what am I going to apologize for? And he goes, well, there could be some repercussions. I went, I, I don't care. So I called Brian because, you know, we're partners in this. Because sure. Brian wasn't there that day. Brian, Even if Brian was there, he, I, he wouldn't have censored me. It's very rare. Brian, when we can get into that, when I had, like, this anger towards the UFC, I'd love to get to that. Mm-hmm. I've never talked about that, really. But Brian lets me do my thing. And it's very rare. He'll be like, oh, we should, you should probably calm down a little bit. Because it wasn't that bad. So I called Brian and said, hey, man, there's a chance – that we're we're gonna be in a little bit of trouble when we get to Fox, and Brian's like, "Cool, whatever we gotta do, man. We want to leave anyway. It's not a big deal. Uh, I trust you to do your thing." I'm like, "All right, cool. I just want to give you a heads up. I don't want you to be blindsided if you know you read a tweet or some bullshit like that, or you get some weird email." And then later that day at 5 p.m., uh, they're like, "Hey, because we're supposed to do a show the next day. They're like, oh, you're banned from the building." I'm like, what do you mean I'm banned? Like, yeah, they they they're gonna mail you all your stuff. You're banned from the building. I'm like, that's how we're gonna do it. Like, yeah, and. Like I said, I put on this tough outer shell. I'm like, cool, let's do it. And I always believe in that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, no problem, let's do it. But with that comes stress, man, because you know I have a I have a, a team depending on me. And sure, it's not like you got to build the other the other ship that you were gonna jump over on. No, it's like no, jumping over, jump, jump off the ship, swim around, put together some fucking driftwood, and then figure it out real quick. Yeah, it's like you don't like the way this boat's going. Yeah, usually you want to wait for another bolt to pull <laughs> yeah, up before totally. you jump off, but. I was like, fuck it, jumped off the side. I was like, come on, everyone, let's find some wood. Get it while you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful of the sharks. <laughs> and that's what I did. And, uh, you know, and I was like, this is the best thing to happen to us. But inside and at night, I'm not sleeping. I'm stressed. I'm freaking, pff, dude, I mean, you're talking serious stress, man. And, and like, and when Big Brown's stressed, he eats. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. I, I still work out because I'm addicted to it, but. I mean, I, that's one thing I'll do. I'll, I'll do one of two things. I'll eat like crazy where people are like, that's disgusting. Cause I'll go like to Jelena, my favorite pizza place. And uh-huh. you, they just do it by the slice. And I'm like, I'll just take the whole pizza <laughs> and toss in six of those chocolate chip cookies. And I'm going to roll up the street to the salt and straw and I'll take two scoops of ice cream. Uh, or I just don't eat at all. Like there's one day, I think I texted you last week. What's going on, man? I'm like, dude, I, it just hit me as I'm doing this. It's 6 PM at night. I haven't eaten anything today. I was so busy and so stressed. I forgot to eat. Yeah. 
all that all that adrenaline all that, that pressure all, yeah yeah all that pressure and it's like <clears throat> i i thrive under it I, I love it and we got it done it's it's honestly the best thing to happen to us but studio looks amazing studio's great number our, our first show back is the biggest ratings we've ever had and, and the show's flourishing but to get to that point man and you remember i it, this is this is my this is no one's doing but mine so i have to tell brian our employees my brother our fans where it's all good yeah. when on the inside i'm like oh my god i better figure this shit out and we did it in four days but still man it's almost do you feel like you know it's almost like a short camp that you had to get yeah. ready for you know like this kind of everything goes into hyperdrive yeah but it's if you've prepared in other arenas you're almost prepared for this Correct. You know what I mean? It's, that's a great point. And it's, uh, that's one thing that I always talk about is like, you practice, it doesn't have, you don't have to practice that exact thing. Mm -hmm. Like there's no way to practice rebuilding a podcast studio in five days, but there is ways to practice handling that stress, like yep. staying organized, yep. figuring out how to do it. And then also learning your weak points. Like the more you go through that, maybe you won't be, you'll be less stressed. You'll be like, you know what? I fucking set up that podcast studio yeah. in four days. Yeah. Like whatever you can draw on in your whole personal history will help support that ability to just believe that you can do it and make it through. It was just bad timing because at the same time too, like <clears throat> I'm super fortunate where the comedy store, the Laugh Factory, the two most famous stand-up places in the world asking me to do spots. I came like, hey, sorry, trying to set up a podcast. I'm working all night. I, 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 I got a miss tonight. So I had that going on too. So I'm preparing for my sets. I'm getting done there, going back to the studio at one in the morning, trying to set things up. So it's just, it's just a perfect storm, man. But I also have a problem. I'm trying to get better. And it's probably a trust issue. Brian and I talked about this, but it's hard for me to, to depend on people to get things done, especially yeah. when it comes to my business. It's very, very, very tough for me. I, I struggle with it like you would not believe. And that's, uh, that's this kind of need to control things and mm -hmm. the feeling that it won't get done right if you're not paying attention to it. Because no, no, no one cares like, like you yeah. do. You know how it is. Like, who's going to wash your car like you wash your car? Not a damn everybody. person. Actually, everybody. Well, you know what I'm saying. Well, this, <laughs> the whole world is going to wash my car better than I wash my car, well, big friend. You know what I'm saying. If you love cars like I do, no one's going to hand wash your car with the, the care and the tenderness that you would. <laughs> Bad example to tell Aubrey Marcus. Rogan would get it. Wash that stingray by hand, boy. <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean, though, man. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So like, sure. if I want you something done, like I'm, I'm just having a tough time, like being like, oh, you got this. Do this. Yeah. It's an essential skill to have, though, because yeah. as things get bigger, you know, on it now has 130 employees. Like if I felt that way, I would be crushed. <laughs> Always be exhausted. You know, so it's this at a certain point, just getting the right people, which is the hardest thing, like getting the right people and then then giving them faith. You know, like, how hard is it to find the right people? Like. It's hard. You know, we, uh, you know, Evan uh, Rodner, uh, a.k.a. Evan the Beard, our producer at Fox, longtime producer. He's not with us anymore. And then uh, Keely Hooverson, who one of my best friends, but Keely's not with us anymore. You know, mm -hmm. those two. And granted, they didn't they weren't the meat and potatoes, potatoes of the show, but they they know the vibe of the show. They know their roles. They're comfortable in it. I know what to expect out of them. They know what to expect out of me. And you take those away, and you have Brian and I. And the way I view it, Brian's the talent. I'm a talent, but Brian's a, the talent. I'm more of the the manager, if that makes yeah. sense. I'm more of the, the, the like production producer. producer. 
AK half the talent, but I treat Brian like the talent and that, that's our relationship. So when we're looking for those other two employees, I mean, I probably went through 600 applicants, you know, damn near in, in two days, three days for a new producer. Mm-hmm. It's tough to pick one because everyone has all the, you know, everything, blah, blah, blah. I don't know producing. And, and so I was looking for kind of history and, and what they've done before. And then they sent these highlight tapes and blah, blah, blah. And you're going through them like, well, they all look pretty similar. I mean, there's some terrible ones. It's <laughs> terrible. And then there's some really good ones. You kind of just have to go with your gut a little bit. And you know how that. I went with my gut? I was doing a set at the Laugh Factory, going through all this, and I'm taking pictures afterwards, feeling like an asshole. I have no business taking pictures at the Laugh Factory with fans because there's comics who've been doing it for years. And so I get off set, and I'm taking pictures with people, and this guy comes up to me, large Asian fella, Korean, comes up to me like, what's up, man? Want to take a picture? He goes, no, I don't. And he has a necklace on with like a dog tag, but has a USB on it. It's attached to it. He takes it off. He goes, here. I go, what the hell is this? Like some, you know, making a joke or something. Mm-hmm. He goes, no, I'm your next producer, man. He goes, I'm a badass. He goes, I'm your guy. He, he goes, I drove all the way from Orange County just to give give you this in person. I went, all right, cool, man. And then when he walked away, I went, fuck, that's probably the guy. <laughs> if this is legit, he's probably the guy. That's such a gangster move because it just shows that self-belief, right? Yes. You know, that's like looking across from your opponent and just knowing that they know in their heart that they're going to beat your ass, you know, like, but they got the goods. Yep. For, me, I, uh, for me, it worked because... I got a job that I shouldn't say, well, I shot a pilot and the way I got the gig is by doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that was, you know, a few months prior. So I'm like, well, I like that tenacity. That's what you need to make it in this world. And my story is it was on this network. They're going between me and another guy. And we were only doing uh, like Skype because they were based out of New York and then they're coming to LA and they're getting to LA that week. And I know it was a toss up, like half the room, like this guy, half the room, like me, my agent told me that. I'm like, all right, man. And he goes, dude, today they want to, and I was swamped with things. And he goes, today they want to do a, another Skype call. I go, forget Skype. And I looked at the email and I, they uh, attached the, the lady's name, the head lady who's making the decisions. So I just, you know, probably ill advice from my agent. I just hit her up like, listen, it's Brendan Schaub. I know you guys want to Skype. Let me come in. Let me, let me come in, in person. Do you give me 20 minutes? She goes, do you know the sides? And I didn't. I went, I sure do. Can you send them again? Just to make sure I have the right ones. So she sends them. And she goes, can you be in uh, North Hollywood in something like by 1230? And it was 11. And I was dressed like an asshole at Box and Burn. And I was in workout gear. So I rushed to 3rd Street to the nearest shop. I think it was True Religion. So I looked like a bad fucking affliction <laughs> kid. I just bedazzled pockets. Dude, just fucking <laughs> jewelry hanging off my ears and shit with just skulls on the back. baby yeah, everywhere. <laughs> for some reason, I had mascara on my eyes and fucking bracelets like fucking Chris Angel. And then I I go in there. I Are go, you the new illusionist? <laughs> yes. I, oh, is this not a magic show? <laughs> no, asshole. And uh, it's a it's a it's a role it's a gig where I I really have if you look at it on paper I have no business doing but I believe in myself and I'm like this would be completely out of my lane it'd be so fun um, and it has to do with World War II my grandpa was in World War II so I'm I'm pretty knowledgeable on that stuff but it's these huge monologues so they give me the sides and I'm looking at them like. Uh, I'm in North Hollywood. I made it. I'm 10 minutes early. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm like, well, there's no way I'm going to remember this. What the fuck am I going to do? So I'm like, the only thing I can do is try to remember as much as I can and make it mine. Because this guy probably remembered all of it. Yeah. But the one thing I do have is I have a skill to talk to crowds and I'm likable. 
I think, and I, I've been on stage, on big stages. This guy doesn't. I know it for a fact that guy doesn't have that. So I'm going to make this mine. Hopefully it's unique enough where I get the gig. So I go up there, and um, I start off because it's a little stuffy and it's a room full of suits, and I just go, well, I want to kick this thing off because I know this is about history in World War II. I got a D in high school in history. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you guys, but just hear me out. And they're kind of laughing, so I'm like, this fucking guy. And then I just do my thing, man. They're like, you got yeah. the sides? I'm like, I do. I can do that for you. Let me do this first. I do it, and they're just like, thank you. Have a good day. I'm like, well, that went terrible. I got in my car, <laughs> and literally probably less than 24 hours later, they called me like, you got the gig, man. That's sick, man. Yeah. Yeah, a couple good lessons there for people. For the one, for one, like even that producer guy, like in order to have that kind of confidence to do it, you have to have the goods. Like don't think you can no. always bluff your way. Like I've had people do that, and you know that they're nervous, and yes. you know that they're like not really sure of what they're, and you can tell. Like Big difference. Your bullshit detector goes off. So yes. Like, make that move when you've done the work and yes. you fucking got the goods. And then in that audition, you know, making it like being willing to go outside the rules and think about what they might want rather than what they're telling you is like, is really key. And actually I have an audition story for when I was in uh, in theater in college. Like I took one acting class, right? And then there was a tryout for the big play and they, and they get, they like hire professional actors and mix in a couple students, yeah. you know, and that's how our school did it. And, and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out for it. And I was like, the play was called mother courage by Bertolt Brecht. And the role that I wanted to go out for was like the tougher of the soldier boys that was out there, right? So we're in this like this like theater classroom and there's all these like way better actors than me who are like going and reading about it. And I was like, man, what do I gotta do to differentiate? Like I gotta use my physicality. And there was all these like little set pieces and like blocks and poles and like booms and shit that I could like climb on and Did you start Chris Farley so I, just went, I just went crazy man <laughs> I was just saying my lines and I was like I box jumped on some giant thing and I was just like let just like let it out like loose. let as much energy and like passion as I could out and I just saw like the 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 casting director's face just like light up like because they, they can work with that yeah they can work they, with that think about it, they've been seeing that same tough yeah. Uh, war boy over and yeah, over exactly. and then here comes this fucking in shape Chris Farley yeah. wrecking the stage <laughs> like alright well we can find a role for that guy yeah totally but the fucked up thing was it was a musical and I'm the worst <laughs> singer of all time right <laughs> so they had me sing happy birthday because I needed to know they were like they love the audition like you gotta sing a song I was like I don't know any songs <laughs> like how about happy birthday I was like fuck yeah so I just started ripping it horribly but I just did it with so much enthusiasm. Like, and, all right, we'll and you're fearless. Yeah. Yes. And so they sent me to a voice coach. And then slowly the song went from a song to a straight up chant. <laughs> it was like it was like this really musical song. And then eventually ended up, a shotgun will shoot and a jackknife will knife. I'm not like mad straight, at that. Like straight, like, I'm not mad no, 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 at that. No, no, no. Yeah. But Trying was, to use your strengths, man. Yeah, totally, man. But it, man, it ended up being like one of the better experiences of my life. Like just such a fucking cool thing to go out there, open opening night see a packed house work with like really good actors and and go out there and do it and it was just that moment of like letting it rip yes you know and, and believing in yourself believing in believing you, in you myself would, you wouldn't do, do that if you didn't right. believe you know what i'm saying yeah like you you're like 
all right, I don't know what these guys know, but I know what I know. Yeah. And that's pretty damn good, man. If I go out there and just let loose, if they don't like it, at least they just don't like me. Yeah. At least it's not because I'm just a shitty singer actor. <laughs> right. You know right. And then I fucked it up this next time because the next time I like I wanted to get like it was like important to me. And plus this girl that I was obsessed with was like gonna be in the play. Standard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sally. Fucking Sally. Fucking Sally. <laughs> fucking Sally was in the play, right? So I was like, oh, I gotta get this. And I just like overthought it and tried to like play the play the part. You want it too much. And I got like some I got some like tiny little part and I made it cool, but I missed my opportunity to be like the lead opposite Sally. Because you we weren't had, so like, loose. Going scene. I wasn't like yourself. loose. I like I was too, too be stressed. Daniel Day Lewis and I was shit. like thinking of myself then as like an actor. And I knew I was like not a real like before I was just like a dude with a lot of passion yeah. that could do acting. And then I was like, oh, I'm an actor now. Yeah. And now I'm competing against other actors, so I better get my acting done right. And like, I it was really interesting to kind of to kind of track that. I struggled with that too, with with uh, not that I struggle with it, but with with comedy. You know, I'm new, and when I go up there, I have a lot of barriers to break, man. I, I really do, and so I'm always super self conscious of certain things. And I, I talk to Rogan about it all the time, and he's like, "Who gives a shit, man?" Yeah, he's but always for, good for that. Oh yeah, <laughs> like man, what about the haters? Like fuck it, yeah, he's like, all get up there, shit. yeah. Like uh, the other night I was at the the Laugh Factory and they had me on the marquee. And I think most people are like, oh shit, on the marquee, you're a UFC fighter. Two years ago, you've been coming for a year and you're on the marquee at Laugh Factory. And I got up there and I was super embarrassed. And I walked in, I'm like, you guys got to take me down, man. Like these other comics are going to fucking hate me. Yeah. And they're like, what? And I told Rogan, I'm like, yeah, man, I don't know what to do. And he's like, why would you give a shit? Why do you care? <laughs> yeah. You're selling well, it's tickets. That team, it's that you're, team mentality. Though, yeah. Right? Like yeah. you're now on the comedy team yeah, and man. you want your, you play football. I mean, yeah. You want your, you don't want to come in. No man. And be like, no, the, but I, I understand that. But also I understand where Rogan's coming from. Yeah. Like, it's not a team really. No, it's fucking every comic for themselves. And also, and, and I'm going to steal Brian Callen's quote here. There's two things you can't fit. You can't fake fighting and uh, comedy. You just yeah. can't because uh, obviously if you're not, you can't people, fake a hard dick. You can't, you can't, <laughs> unless it's like a fake one or something. But um, nope, nope, they always tough. know. That's true. They always it's, know it's when you got you, you get those popsicle sticks. You try to split that and shit. It don't work, dog. <laughs> uh -uh. Like a hot dog. Um, <laughs> uh -uh. Yeah, but Brian, Brian's right, man. So you know, if people aren't laughing, I, I wouldn't have a job. So yeah. um, something's working. I, I've never been. But what so, about the? I've, fucking, I've never been so challenged in my life, though. Yeah, but what about like that move? I mean, stand-up comedy and fighting are two of the most terrifying things. Like if you were to put up two of the most terrifying things that people could do, I think it would be go on stage and be a comic and yeah. get in the cage and be a fighter. Yeah. Like, so some part of you has to be willing to put yourself in super uncomfortable positions. Yeah, that's a good question. I think what's weird, and I told Brian this the very first show we ever did, I got off, I was probably terrible. We had a sold out crowd in Irvine or uh, Ontario and uh, live firing the kid. And it was Brian's idea for me to start doing 10 minutes of stand-up. And uh, I got off, and it was, I was just like, man, this is what I'm supposed to do. It really is. And yeah. he's like, why? I'm like, I'm, I'm way too comfortable up there. He's like, you look comfortable. I'm like, I don't know why. I can't explain it, man. I don't know what's going on. But it's, I've ne I was never comfortable in the octagon. I know uh -huh. people are like, oh, come on. Let me tell, let me repeat that. I was ne I was never comfortable. I never felt like you know how guys are like this is my house, this is my octagon. Yeah, this ain't my house, this ain't my octagon. I was always fucking terrified, man. I was just a really good athlete uh, for 
being a UFC fighter, listen, you know, compared to LeBron and some of the other guys, I'm a turd with eyes, but, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I went far and I, and I love the limelight and I love to train. I love to work out, but as far as hurting people and being mean, that's just not me, man. Yeah. It just wasn't. And, uh, to go back to, um, some of the stuff I said on the podcast before and when the podcast got big, I realized when, when we first started doing the podcast and the Reebok deal was going on, my stuff with Dana was going on. I had this, I was driven by hate. And I think some of the fans starting to notice I'm a lot, it's not that I'm not nice. I'm always nice. You know me. I'm always yep. a nice, caring guy. But I can hold this resentment and this fucking chip on my shoulder, man. It's what drives me. And I love when people doubt me. And I felt like, and it, it doesn't make sense when you think about it. Maybe financially numbers it does. But I felt like the UFC fucked me. And I had this anger, man. And I just wanted to succeed in any way possible to show them that me walking away was the right decision. And that's what motivated me every day and night. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and listen to those old podcasts, whenever we talk about UFC, there's like this hater mentality. And I, I fucking hate that. I mm -hmm. hate that. And probably, this was pretty recent, man. Probably six to eight months ago. Uh, maybe a little longer, but I was just driving down and being like, what is your deal? And this is me talking to myself. I don't have a therapist or nothing. Uh, you know, I have a healthy son. I'm driving down the beach and I'm just like, what is your deal, man? Why, why are you so upset? Where's this anger? They did you a fucking favor, my man. Dana did you, it's not Dana. Yeah. It's not the Reebok deal. He's not like, they didn't sign the Reebok deal and make these decisions and go, oh, let's just fuck Brendan. But at the time I thought I, that's how I felt. I personally felt like. <clears throat> They, I put in all this hard work in. I didn't get my due. They owe me this. And I, I had this anger. And you listen to me talk on the podcast, and it's this sense of just pure frustration. And it's not good, man. And then for whatever reason, and I'm doing better with it now, I still hold not anger towards the UFC. I don't know where my anger comes from now, but it, that a lot of that's gone. I just went, they, dude, they did you a favor. Like You've yeah. won, man. Yeah. You've won. Everyone won. It's you're doing your thing. You don't have to get punched in the face anymore. Yeah. If that never happened, you're not at the comedy store. You're not at the Laugh Factory. Right. You don't have your own Fire the Kids shoes. There's no podcast. Like, what are you talking about? It's like there's two fuel sources that you use, and, and you were clearly using that, you know, that one fuel source that I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, which and it's is, vicious. It's, just, it's a very powerful fuel source. You know, it, it can drive you to, to great heights, but it's also it's a little bit unfulfilling because it kind of eats you up inside a little bit. And then also at a certain point you realize that it doesn't matter, no. <laughs> you know, like, like you're the people you're trying to prove wrong are so long gone. And it's like, it's over. It does. And by the time you get there, like there's probably now that you are so successful, there's never been a moment where you've really actually enjoyed the ha ha. Look at me now, motherfucker. Like that moment never comes. So, yeah. so it, it's, it's a little bit of this illusionary game that you play and, and it's, it can be helpful because I remember, you know, I remember I had uh, my stepdad told me, he's like, you will never be successful. And I, and I was like, that was when I was about to start on it. And I was like, oh, okay, motherfucker. Check this <laughs> you know, out. Yeah. Like, we'll see about that. You and did I used that. I you used that. Fuel. Exactly. I used that fuel. But then when I was successful, there was never that moment where I went back to him and was like, ha, how about this now? Like, I didn't care anymore. That's not there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care anymore. And but and also, yeah, I don't think your stepdad, he's like, yeah, no. I, I want you to do well. I yeah, did, totally. Whatever. Totally. And I, I don't think, the you know, Dana's worth $4 billion. I don't have any hatred towards him. I'm, I'm critical of everything in life. It's just not the UFC. I like to be critical and I like to stir the pot. Um, that's just what I do. And 
I have it's 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 almost refreshing. I have no resentment. There's no I'm a full supporter of everything they do. I just it was very strange, man. It was very yeah. I, I don't know. And I I think most people would have to go through years of therapy maybe to get there. You would know better. This is sure. your shit. Sure. I was just driving down and my son was healthy and I was so relieved of that. And I'm driving a fucking fancy car that most tools drive and I get this fucking part of my hair. I'm going down Pacific Beach and <laughs> I'm healthy and life is good. I'm like, what? What is? What's going on with you, just, man? You can Where just decide from? decide instantly to ditch it and then pick up the other fuel source, which is inspiration. You know, yeah. think about all of the people who you're reaching out to, the messages yeah. you get from the people, the people you're making laugh, the yep. the life that you're going to set up for yourself and your family, and then you switch from this like coal burning energy source, which is that kind of hate. To the inspiration and love for for what you're doing, and that that is this kind of everlasting refueling, you know, perpetual energy source that you can then then use as motivation. From you there. also, when you're in that state of, as my new Korean producer would say, Han Han. I don't know if you know what Han is. It's well, like what Koreans. It's like this this in, in you you can't heal it. You have this hatred of years of you know just. Um, oppression and just hate and that yeah. they grow up with it. He was like, yeah, in Koreans, we just have that. It's called Han. And I had this Han and you, I'll say this, when you have Han, you're as far as you're a workhorse and you're working whatever, 13 hours a day and you don't stop and you're, you're doing it to prove everyone wrong. You have this chip on your shoulder, but when you're doing that, you're not creative. Yeah. It's hard to be creative when you're doing that. Yeah. And I realized you're almost inflexible. It's hard for you to bend. It's hard for your mind to and bend. You're not open to. You're not open-minded. There's, <laughs> yeah. you know, Brian would tell me stuff, and um, uh, not that I'd lash out with Brian, but I just my head would be down, just like a bull, yeah. man, just going, going, going until we got here, till we got here. And I checked the ratings and checked this, and I'll look at this, and and that's gone, man. But when you're doing that, you're you're not being creative. And uh, what I realized for me is, for me, at my happiest point. Obviously, as long as my family's healthy, those other things count. But if my son's healthy, my girl's healthy, I'm healthy, we're good. That's number one, right? Mm -hmm. I think for most people. Sure. Then for me, I have to be doing something creative. And I, and I found that through stand-up, through doing certain segments on the podcast, through uh, doing these shows and these auditions, through uh, uh, the clothing. And if, but if I'm not creative, shit hits the fan. If I don't have that release, that outlet... Yeah. It's a, it's not fun for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not motivated. I'm not happy. Yeah, I think uh, I think all of us at some point develop that Han. You know, we have that this shit that we're carrying, and that we think that we want it. We think it's part of our identity, but really, it's just a bit of a trap. You know, and and what I found is that it it leaves you vulnerable. It always when you're in that mode, you're always vulnerable to fresh insults, fresh attacks, things that come out. When you take a step back and act as you know, the thinker behind the thoughts, a more conscious perspective and, and access that, that level of consciousness where you're just looking at what's going on, but thinking of it more like a game rather than life or death, yep. you know, then it's just so much easier to be happy, so much easier to be present and enjoy the moment. I mean, we get stuck in these loops where everything seems like it's the fucking end of the world yes. and, our, and our body responds that way. Like our cortisol is spiked and our adrenaline's there and our mind's locked in, in beta frequency brainwaves mm -hmm. where we're just fucking looking around for the next predator that's going to come out ready to run or ready to fight or ready to do whatever. And it's exhausting, man. And it's not enjoyable. That, like, that's the perfect word. That was exhausting. the first, that was the first few years of me launching on it. And then 
only like recently have I been able to really take a step back, release some of that attachment and really just enjoy it. Understand that, yeah, there's shit that may happen, but there's shit that always may happen. Do your best to prevent it. Disattach from from the outcome. You know, I, know I think, that I no think matter you what, need that, I could fucking stay on your couch yeah. and fucking cruise around Venice and be happy. Like yeah. it doesn't require as much as you think you need. I agree to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and realizing that all of this is fun, but play it like a game. Yes, you know, not like fucking life or death, not like war. I, I think that Han though, and that drive, you know, got on and correct me if I'm wrong, got you guys to where you're at though. Sure, yeah. It was if you don't have that, you're loosey goosey at the start. It's gonna be tough to compete with a, some of those. It's sharks. almost like training wheels, <laughs> you know. Yes. Like it gets evil fucking, training wheels. It's like evil training. It's like wheels. training wheels with spikes on them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like it gets your gets you used to riding the bike. It gets the you know momentum going in the right direction, but ultimately the just fucking lifting off with the wings. Yes. And just being like, oh shit, I got fucking wind power now. Yes, because you keep riding you that know? bike, it goes into hell. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's be rough. And you see people like that. Like you see people who've never gotten off that. Yes. And no matter what they're doing, no matter how much money they make, they still got that and they're looking at And how fun are they to hang out with? Manufacturing man yeah, not at all. The worst. The worst. We have friends like they yeah. suck. Yeah. Uh but bro I mean uh, not Rogan, but uh Brian sat me down and was like, dude, you're gonna die early. You keep this up, man. He's like, You're constantly yeah. stressed. Uh, you're not open-minded, you're attacking people, and even when you're in the right, you're just verbally just ruthless. I'm like, yeah. I got shit to do, man. He's like, you're going to die early. Yeah, I bet your stress is crazy, your blood pressure is crazy. He's like, you can't you can't live life, life like this, man. And he's Mr. Lucy Goosey, go with the flow. Yeah, for sure. Everything's all good, Brian Callen. That's why he's the kid. So when people are feeling that, because I've been tracking this myself, because I'll those old habits come back. Like, it's not like once you kick, move past the Han, the Han's not going to come. Like, it'll come raging back. The and Han's there for life. You'll find yourself in that mode, but then just taking a little step back and like being the observer. And one thing I like to do is like, get like a third person perspective as myself. So as myself as consciousness, looking at myself saying, oh, look, the Aubrey's super fucking stressed right yeah. now. The Aubrey's getting mad. The Aubrey's fucking really, really playing this like it's life or death like maybe let's relax buddy yeah you know and and identify as something other than that that animal that's in fight or flight almost like you're consoling the human that is yourself like hey buddy like we're gonna be good man like you don't need to feel it and it's hard because the emotions are there and the the chem and the neurochemicals are there and the stress is there and your heart rate's elevated and everything's going on but if you can take a moment and look at yourself and be like Hey, buddy, like, it's cool. We're yeah, good. Man. We're all going to be good. Yep. You know, I, th- I think what helps me and um, obviously you don't have kids yet. But you'd be a great dad. But my son, man, I know yeah. people it's cliche to say and people talk about it. But when that little guy who looks identical to me when I get home, it's like a lot of that stuff. I really don't give a fuck about. I really don't. You see him. It's, it's just a different uh, for lack of a better term, different animal. It's yeah. just like you realize what's important. And I, the, I think the reason why that Han struck up, you know, uh, begin the year is because, you know, a baby was on the way. I'm like, dude, I need to get going for this little dude. So it got really bad. But now that he's here and healthy, we don't realize is, um, health is such a big thing because he, and this is a tricky subject and I'm glad Eddie Bravo, who's doing a seminar right across the freaking way here, isn't sitting down on the mic, but, um, he had to get his uh, shots. Uh-huh. And there's a ton of people say, don't do them, do do them. 
I did some research. I talked to my buddy who's a doctor, a uh, very knowledgeable doctor. And he goes, this is what I would say. He goes, on the west side in California where you live, they have more outbreaks than uh, a lot of places, third world countries in Africa. He goes, because everyone's doing what you're doing. They're going, nah, you don't need to do that. You don't need this. So there's a huge rise of all these diseases because yeah. of that thing. Because all the kids are playing together and no one has uh, their, their proper uh, vaccinations. So that scared me a little bit because my son's going to this mommy and me class. He's playing with other kids. I'm like, all right, well, what ones do I have to have? What do I ha absolutely have to have? Sure. If you And he doesn't have kids. I went, if you had kids, which are would break it down? So he breaks down. And so I think now they get like 64. We broke it down like 10. Yeah. So last week, uh, and I'm, I'm his mom takes him. I'm usually at work. She takes him. And she's like, man, uh, Tiger didn't do very well with the shots. And I'm like, well, yeah, it fucking hurts to get a shot. I get that. She's like, you're just acting weird. I'm like, hell no, man. That ain't my kid. I, I swear to God. And I didn't. That Han comes back like a motherfucker when it comes to my kid. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, I'm like, well, let's just monitor him. And I've never seen him act this way, man. And you can say, well, maybe change food. Maybe can't. Or maybe they injected him with some shit, man. And his body's yeah. freaking the fuck out. His immune system. Because they put the disease in there. Yeah. I was so mad. I was so, and I didn't know who to take the anger out on. I wanted to blame myself. I wanted to drive up to that doctor. And what, yeah. what am I going to do? Beat up the doctor? What are you, a meathead? I didn't know what to do, man. But you don't realize how important things are. You know, it was three days of, I, I didn't know who that kid was. It was three days where I'm like, what the, who the fuck is this kid? Who sent the demon child? Just throwing these fits, crying, couldn't stop him. He was hyperventilating. And I'm like, what the fuck? I had this doctor come to the house. And he's like, it's probably the shots, man. It's going to wear off in three days. I was like, I'm done with these. I'm yeah. not doing this, man. Yeah. I'm not doing this. I'll figure out some way to forge the fucking thing. I probably shouldn't be saying this on air, but again, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I should probably forge it so he gets into school or something like yeah. that, but I'll risk getting polio from the 1940s, and yeah. when it does happen, I'll give him the shots then, but dude, I'm, I'm, nothing else mattered, man. You could have called me with anything. I'm going, like, we were talking before, I'm going through the process of buying a house, and that's stressful. You know how it goes. And I was waiting to hear some important uh, info I, I, they probably called seven times. I didn't hear my phone because my kid was going through this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. When you have something that's, you know, almost more important than your own life, it's a weird, it's a weird scenario. You know, I don't have any kids, so I don't know. I don't know my brother. firsthand, but I can, I can imagine, I can you, imagine you, what that's like. It's going to be a different, it's a whole different paradigm that goes the, the, the stress and the pressure you feel. Cause I work with people who are looking to transition you know, they hit me up all the time. They're like, I, I really want to transition this job, but there's family. Like the concern about the family and concern about others is always primary. You know, they would re really be willing to do anything to themselves as long as the family yes. was able to do it. And, you know, I think the thing I always remind them is the most important thing for your family is love. Yeah, like, number one. I, re I remember I lived with, I had three younger sisters and when I was in high school, my parents moved to a ranch and all the ranch had was this tiny little, like tiny little farmhouse. And it was literally no bigger than this room in my office here. And we all just crammed in. I got a bed. All the sisters shared a bed. Probably we cool. had like a one living room kitchen thing. And it was the fucking best time ever, you know, cause we would just play music and everybody was eating dinner together cool, and nobody man. could run off to their rooms. Now, now the family lives in a fucking mansion. We, yes. Nobody cell phones. Everywhere. Yeah. Everybody's yeah. like running different directions, but that was the best. And, and it was just, that's the key, you know, as long as if you're stressing yourself out so much that your fam, like you're not spending quality time with yeah. your family because you're trying to provide for your family, you got it fucking backwards. Yep. Like your family needs less money, more love Correct. always, you know, so just keeping that in mind, I think is, 
is really key. Like, yeah, your basic needs need to be covered, you know, like nutritionally, For whatever, sure. safety yeah. wise. Roof but beyond them. that, you know, it's fucking love that's the most important. You see that in third world countries too. You see families doing they great. don't got shit. I know. And the kids are happy as fuck because every day they come home and, you know, mom's doing what they can. And dad's running around or their uncles or grandparents or everybody's living in the same fucking place. And it just feels like love. Yeah, I think uh, it's strange because, you know, my, my girl's family, they're born and raised in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. And, they you know, they, they don't come from money. So they grew up the same, same way you did, you know, all yep. together. And it took the whole family. You're talking about aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, brother, sister. They all grew up in the same house. There's all this love. They turned out great. And then, you know, this isn't a backhand at white people or anything like that, but in white culture, I, and I'm sure there's people listening now like, well, I grew up like that and I'm white. That's fine. But from my perspective, in the white culture, it's almost like you grow up, there's love. I was loved. My parents loved the fuck out of me. But it's kind of like when you're 16, all right, all right, you're good. Go, go do your shit now. Go find yeah. your own way. Where I feel like in other cultures, it's not that same way. And, you know, my, my girl was in this class and um, – my, my son, big ass kid, so he needs naps all the time, blah, blah, blah. And my girl uh, holds him. So you know how nap for an hour, two, blah, blah, blah. She's a stay-at-home mom now. And the these the, it was a white mom and a Japanese mom. You know, the Japanese are pretty brutal. And they yeah. go, oh, you got to set him down to nap. He, he can't nap on you. You're going to create bad habits. And they go, you got to set him down. He's going to cry like a motherfucker. But just let him cry and eventually go to sleep. And uh, so my girl's like, really? That's not how I was raised. Like in our culture, like we hold the kid. Like that's yeah. what we do, man. Like that's my gig. And uh, she goes to put him down and she calls me. She goes, oh, uh, Tiger uh, went to sleep. He cried for about 45 minutes and finally went to sleep. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. He cried for 45 minutes? I went, <laughs> well, I can't have that. She goes, no, the other mom says it's, it's good. And I went, okay. And I tried to be open to it because, you know, I, maybe they know these are moms at fucking Santa Monica. <laughs> and so, don't get me started at West Side LA. And so um, the next day I'm at home now and she goes to do the same thing. He's crying. I'm like, this ain't happening. Yeah. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. I, I, I don't like just, I don't believe in my old, heart that that's the way to go. It's old school. It's like going and seeing non-fat yogurt. Yeah. You know, like, what the fuck, man? You don't want non-fat yogurt. <laughs> no. The rest of the shit in the yogurt is yes. what's bad for you. Yes. You want the probiotics and the fat. Yes. That's the only good part. Yes. Stop with your non-fat yogurt. It's crazy. Stop with your let the kids fucking cry. Yes. Like, it's like, give them love, man. Yes. It's simple. It's a simple formula. You don't need to fucking overthink it. Like, you don't need to. And also, like, the way that parents feed their kids they fuck it up so many times fuck like, it up. when you have a big ass family you know how you feed your kids you put the fucking food out yes and then the kids just eat yes but when you have like two parents and one kid and they're obsessed about it then it becomes a power game the right? kids also the weird. kids like playing playing weird games like no i'm yep. not gonna eat that yep. like this fucking game we're gonna play this game again that was never that game in our family because we had a big ass bowl of yes. food do your do work son you do work yeah or you don't eat no we did hamburger helper and there was it i was like uh, i don't feel like hamburger helper not what else is on the menu my yeah. dad's like uh warm glass shut the fuck up go to your room hungry yeah, yeah. that's what else is on the menu like just you just eat the food and in other cultures it's just here's the food the kids eat the food yes kids will eat the food if you don't make a big fucking deal about yeah. it but also and granted there are issues with sugar and we all know that yeah but they're still kids yeah. they're still kids and i've grown up around kids i've seen parents that don't let the kids have any sugar 
And that kid's fucking weird, man. Like, I was balls deep in donuts, Cadbury eggs. Yeah, I might have a fucking sugar addiction. All right, man. I feel fucking yeah. great, though. But the, these parents are like, no, 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 don't give him that grape, the sugar. And I'm like, it's a grape, bitch. Right. He can have a grape. What's wrong with you? Right. As you they're eating their non-fat fucking Yes. Grape. Yes. And balls deep in, like, this weird. Real good with your nutrition there. Yeah, yeah. yeah and that weird good. sugar-free chocolate. So I enjoy shitting your pants on the way home. <laughs> I don't know if you know how that stuff works. Yeah. But that what's going to happen with that kid or that girl, they're going to get to college. And when you've been so fucking wound tight where they can't even eat sugar, the homies are going to run a train on that girl or the boy's just going to be a fucking, I mean, campus shooter. I mean, you can't have that shit, man. It's yeah. not, you gotta let them, you gotta let them live. And we live in this weird world where dude, the opinions I get from people on kids, especially where I live, it's insane. The best thing, my bitch, I grew up in Aurora, Colorado. The best, best thing my parents did was they treated me like a little, like a little adult human, you know, instead of like a little fucking like idiot. Like, I feel like so many times you treat kids like little like second class idiots. Yes. And then they become little second class idiots. Like they always treated me like a like a sentient human being that just hadn't learned as much shit as them. That's yet. key. Too. So they would still like ask me my opinion at dinner, you know, like they would be talking about some complex issue, some relationship issue with one of their friends. Well, what do you think, Aubrey? I'm like, I mean, my opinions were shit at first, but, but they still, still like I was like got me thinking about it and then be like, Oh yeah, well maybe or did you think of this? And then so then I became like a sentient human faster, you know, because they treated me like one. And then if, if there was ever something they didn't want me to do, it wasn't like because I said so. It was like, well, this is why. And then so I got to internalize the why. Yeah. So, you know, if I did something wrong, I knew why it was wrong. And I was the first one to beat myself up, you know, yeah. so they didn't have to fucking ground me. They didn't have to do all the shit that you have to do, this kind of reward punishment system. That's like key, man. it just explained it. And then I internalized my own morality. And then from there, I was able to to chart the course. Yeah, I fucked up sometimes, but I knew when I would fuck up. And they'd have to remind me, like, don't throw rocks in the neighbor's pool. Like, yeah, fuck, that was stupid. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I definitely I'm also throw eight, rocks. though, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and there's a shitload of rocks. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to see if I could make it yeah, into the pool. Yeah, it's all good. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> but, you know, then I They're realized. all, Aub Aubrey, uh, Dan here cheated on Sarah. What do you think they should do? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think Dan's killing the game. I think Dan should get a flock of them and run a train on all of them. Like, okay, you're nine. We're going to, okay, we'll maybe sit the next round out, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's funny it's though, key man. though, man. It's, it's super key. And I think it's just, it's just weird some of the old habits that we have. We have these, these ideas that are just in culture that are just wrong. Mm. Just yeah. wrong. Dead like, wrong. culture isn't always right. And, yeah. and again, I can go back to that fat thing like this low fat high sugar thing it was right was completely fraudulent and false Insane. and bullshit and all of the science has completely reversed it but people still haven't adapted it's not like even when the truth comes out people people like switch immediately like low non-fat fucking milk and yogurt and shit is still like i still hear people asking for it like can I get that skim milk? It's dog? frustrating. I'm right? like, what? Just the lactose? It's so frustrating. You want just the lactose. That's all you want. Yeah. That's all you want. That's just, insane. Yeah. But it's like, it's so fucking, it's so pervasive. This was, And so I think people questioning, like questioning everything and looking like, all right, well, what is, what is the actual reasoning behind this? Mm -hmm. Like, we're not just accepting what somebody says, you know, as, as the way you should do it or what the, the mainstream way is. I th yeah, being a critical thinker and and people think being a critical thinker is being a hater. There's a big difference. Yeah. There's a big difference between a hater and being a critical thinker. And I probably don't get me wrong. I can be a fucking hater, especially on certain things. But 
to be a critical thinker. Like I was always the guy, even when I was in the UFC, Fox, UFC now, they'd say, do this. I'm like, I'm open to do it, but why are we doing it? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing exactly. wrong with that. Exactly. And they're like, what? Okay, we're going to get someone who's just going to shut the fuck up and do it. I'm like, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not your guy then, man. I think I heard, you know, I spent some time with uh, the guy who's in the Israeli army and everybody in Israel is in the army, but he like actually followed through for had a career in the army and, and familiar with American culture, worked with a lot of soldiers, did some like, did some like contract stuff. And he was a tank operator, operator for Israel. Israel. And they, the tank operators, they, really? they fucked they fuck the action still in Israel. Um, or at least he did during his time. But he was explaining the difference in the Israeli army. They're taught to ask questions if they don't see if something seems off. That's pretty cool. You know, like, you know, like if, they're on, if they're given a mission and the mission doesn't make sense, they're supposed to go to their commanding officer and be like, yo, man, this doesn't make sense, sense to me. Can, you, can we go over this? Can we explain like what's going on? And maybe not like in like a direct firefight scenario where someone's like move right. And they're like, really? I don't know about moving. Yeah. Right. Move, you know, bitch, like, bitch. Like, about to get but when it's in the planning stage, it's not like complete obedience. So that you're, you're, you would in a company, like you don't want just yes men. Like no. if I came into a, the chief's meeting and said, all right, you know, I think we should do this. And everybody's like, oh, great idea, Aubrey. Or everybody's yeah. like, great, perfect. Yeah. Like you want that feedback. You want that back and forth. I want to have to use logic to win, to win the point. And maybe, maybe there will be a disagreement. And at that point, you recognize the points on one side, one side recognize the points on the other say, I hear what you're saying. I think that's valid, but we're going to go this way. And that just leads to, you know, generally a better outcome when you have more feedback. Plus it gives people a voice where they don't feel like, you know, granted you need a leader and something like that. But if you let people give their, you know, give them a voice where maybe, maybe it's wrong, but in their hearts of hearts, they think it's right. And you go, I hear you. This is why I'm doing this though. It makes a huge difference. Totally. And it's not being difficult to deal with none of that. You're just like, man, I think this and like, cool, but I know this and you didn't have this information. Yeah. So this is why we're doing it. So let's hash it out and not use, like, not get all flustered. Like you're challenging my authority. Yes, like the, the thing, thing the ego says every time, if you ever hear yourself in your mental voice saying, how dare you, you know, that's your fucking ego. Yeah. You know, it's like, how dare you challenge me? How dare you do that? That's all. Mine goes, the oh, fucking... hell no. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. how mine talks. Oh, exactly. hell no. And then it's off to the races. <laughs> and that's, and that's just the way that the ego gets and parents get like that. Like, you know, People in authority just get like that, like don't even fucking challenge challenge what I'm saying. TSA's like that, man. You know, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing. Like if you're really if you're coming from a place of real knowledge, that's not the way you act. You no, yeah, not yeah, at all. I agree. You're like, well, this is why. Well, it's the you same know? thing. Like, you know Tim Kennedy well, but yeah. the toughest guy we know. Yeah. I don't give a fuck who else you know. Who blah blah blah. I know a lot of tough guys. Tim Kennedy, toughest guy I know. Nice guy I know. You ever seen Tim get emotional? or super irate about a certain topic or no. if someone offered to challenge him in anything? No, because he's confident what he does. He knows what he knows. It's the guys who are beating their chest and get all mad and these huge egos. That's the guy where it's like, all right, man, you're ne I'm telling you, it's not the way to go. You're never going to get anywhere like that. Yeah, like, like you're not going to see like a, a great, astrophysicist you know get emotional in a flat earth discussion <laughs> no, no, no. you know what i mean it's he's like so <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's just gonna laugh and be yes. like you know but when you don't really know things that's when you get like super super emotional yeah you know it's like when you're not really sure and you're insecure then your ego comes in because you're identified with this thing it's like if you really got the if you really got the nuts you know you really got the goods then you're good. You're just going to be chill. But to play devil's advocate here, 
the if you go the Donald Trump approach where he didn't have his facts, he wasn't confident, but he got louder and yeah. made a bigger scene. Then people were like, God, maybe he is right. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like he made such a scene about certain things that he wasn't sure of where Hillary Clinton kind of played the role like, I'm pretty fucking sure, but Trump just fucking get the boom just loud and made yeah. a whole spectacle of well it. that i think what he did is he tapped into anger like he took the han of a lot of people the frustration of yeah and he was like America. oh there's some fucking han here yes and i'm gonna exemplify that han and they're gonna jump on my back like yeah see that guy's pissed off about the same shit i'm pissed yes. off fuck what he says about the facts like yeah. he's feeling like i'm feeling and if he's feeling like i'm feeling he we're gonna change some shit yes you know? Like I'm not down to grab girls by the pussy, <laughs> yeah. But we're both upset about shit. <laughs> yeah, I want Trump. Like yeah. it was a weird movement, weird. man. It's, it was it's so weird. Exactly I don't think weird. He, I, and I don't mean to get into politics, and we can move after this. But uh, I, I, you know, I don't think either of them were very good. No. But I was baffled by just how many people are like, I think Trump's gonna do it, man. I was like, Are you kidding me? That's what's going on here. But you know, emotions. The lesson I think is that emotions trump logic. And, and I think that's something that we can all recognize. Like emotions are primary. And if you tap into like your emotions are primary. So many times, like if you're, if you're feeling an emotional way, like let's say, let's say your girl does something that makes you jealous or insecure, you will use logic to build an argument of why she's a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. But the emotion is what's creating the logic. The logic is not creating yes. the emotion. The emotion, then you figure out like, Oh, well, that's why I hate you that you said this fucking thing mm -hmm. when really it's just the feeling came first and that and the same with Donald, like the feeling came first and then the logic was like, well, fucking secondary it was shoddy. It was like a fucking scaffold that you it threw really out quickly. get there. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that's we do that in our own lives and we do that. We got to be careful of that. We got to be careful of emotion being that primary force because when emotions there, it's almost like we don't have free will. It's like a brain's like. Well, I got to figure out something that makes sense of this emotion. So I'm just going to put ideas and thoughts together and it'll justify this thing that I'm feeling. And, and I, I suffered from that a lot, too, because um, I mean, anyone who knows I'm an emotional dude, passionate dude. And I would get on the mic and there'd be times where Brian's like, dude, you're so emotional and passionate about this. And you're so defensive about this. I'm like, that's how I feel, man. Like yeah. uh, not everyone's going to agree with me, but that's how I feel. So I, I'm just going to fucking yeah. say it. And people like that. I mean, people like. Emotion is emotion is real. And I think that's one of the things that we're naturally attracted to. We're attracted to that's why people like drama. You know, they yes. like when they like the emotional connection. It's it's a, it's essential. It's just we gotta be careful how it how it guides our life. We gotta be careful that it doesn't force us into bad situations. Well, know? I think if you harness it in the right direction and you mean well, you're always gonna be in a good spot. But when when that Han comes out, yeah. you mix that with the emotions. Well, then you're going down a tough road. Sure. And most people aren't going to jump. Then you're OJ Simpson. Yes. Most <laughs> people know? aren't going to jump on that train. Did OJ have shit to be upset uh -huh. about? Yes. Did <laughs> yeah. he catch her sucking dick on her knees in a Brentwood house? Yes. Should he yeah. have killed her? No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His Han was <laughs> so deep. Hold <laughs> up. Fuck, man. Hold up. You want to talk Dude, you opened a can of worms. <laughs> I'm balls deep with OJ Simpson, <laughs> meaning I did so much research with this motherfucker. You want to talk about Han? <laughs> he walked in. He was with his boy when uh, he was in San Francisco. He found out his dad was gay. He was with his boy in high school, and they went to go surprise their dad, his dad. He pulled in, saw his dad in a robe with another dude, found out he was gay. So that Han got deep right there. Yeah. And then, fuck, you know, growing up broke and blah, blah, blah. His Han got so bad, this fool didn't associate with black people. 
Yeah. When he was at his heyday, he like his son was so bad because he was black. They would say they'd walk in a restaurant and like he would walk in a restaurant and like, dude, look at all these ninjas, you know. Yeah. Code yeah, word yeah. for, you know, enters. He'd say, Look at all these ninjas in here. You believe that? And his friend's like, Huh? <laughs> the, but you're Jesus. you're black. Yeah, he like his his Han was so deep because he didn't want to be labeled as one of them, one of the black people. It you yeah. Dude, you want to talk about a guy whose fucking emotions and stuff like that were so crazy and so dark. His story is fucking fascinating in a terrible way. Yeah, it's just like it's that the the extreme case of when you haven't checked those things, you know, and and that emotion of like I gotta fuck that bitch, you know, like I gotta, and we're making, of course, mild assumptions. Maybe I don't really think so, but no, but (laughs) but uh, OJ killed a guy and a girl. So like at that moment, that emotion was so strong, and then his fucking mind just started saying things. All right, grab the kitchen knife. Fuck, grab the gloves. Like we're going, we're going out, and and then like piecing things together. But the emotion was primary. You know, like that's what was that's what was driving it. And the emotion, you know, we've all done things we regret when that emotion is primary. And it's it's from not practicing being able to deal with that emotion, not being like at that moment, if he could have stepped outside and done what I said earlier and been like, oh, wow, the OJ is super mad right now. The OJ is thinking about grabbing a kitchen. The OJ is about to kill a bitch. Yeah. Like that's fucking crazy. I better go sit the fuck down and smoke some weed or something. Like, cause the OJ is fucking real. OJ's about to make a huge mistake. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but he couldn't do that. He couldn't get conscious. He couldn't separate from that emotion. He was the emotion. I think at at his athletic level and his fame, I don't think you get there without having Han. I got to be honest. Yeah. Out of all the great athletes I know and some entertainers, that Han is so deep. There's a level of incurable hunger that's never filled. And that, that Han's just what motivates them and drives them. Most people There's I like know, a, especially yeah, athletes. Especially They're the darkest. Athletes, be, and this is kind of fucked up to say, but a lot of them that I know that there's just this darkness where I was like, oh, we're we're kind of not the same when it comes to that. Let's say, I mean, there's got to be some exceptions, though. You know, I can't necessarily think about like. Like, just go through it. And even if you don't personally know him, you go through Michael Jordan. Super Han. So S- he's like an example Han. of like. Super Han. Like, it still can't get rid of Kobe him. Bryant. Yeah, super for sure. Han. You go, you keep going through. But what about Lance like Armstrong? Yeah, super Han. But Mike get... Johnson had AIDS. <laughs> that was, that's not like to do with it. <laughs> Nothing to do that. <laughs> Mike Johnson had AIDS. Gay <laughs> <Hey>, son. <laughs> Have you ever seen his son? No. Oh, he's as straight a as that. Piece? Well, he's as straight as that fucking kettlebell he got there. <laughs> I, I mean, I watch his show on E, but he's a good dude. I mean, but... there's some rumors that's why Magic got AIDS. Correct. Yeah, yeah. that's some Han shit. That's some Han shit, son. <laughs> but, you know, you look at that the, the, the athletes, man, there's a lot of Han there. That's what drives them to uh, be. Probably especially fighters. Just too, these right? outliers. Fighters. Like, are, are, there any, are there any fighter examples that you know of people who are just like have been kind of chill and zen? You know, like the Phil Jackson of fucking of MMA fighters where they're just like, man, you know, I really like the sport. Connor. A little, but he's got I, that. I, fucking I don't, I don't get a Han from Connor, you know, the, yeah. in, in, if I've had lunch with the guy and you talk to Honor, uh, Connor, Connor, you talk to Connor and stuff. I don't feel a sense. You know, I don't know his, his upbringing and stuff like that. There's not a darkness with that guy. Yeah. That's what there's makes a, him special. There's that dude uh, who's just on the ultimate fighter. He leg locks everybody. Oh, Ryan Hall? Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Hall seems like a Hanless dude. Like Han-less. he's just fucking 
but Jill Hanless, likes to drink a beer. And, and guess what happens if you don't have Han? Not yeah. going to be a world champion. Yeah. Because there's some dude with a fucking Han-filled <laughs> soul, and he's better at leg locks. And when he gets a hold of it, like Paul Harris, he's going to rip your knee off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's interesting. Like, I wish I had that Han when I was fighting. I just didn't. I liked everyone. I'm just a guy who likes people. My mother talked about that, too. She was, you know, she made it to the semifinals of Wimbledon. But, Damn. Um, she could never beat Billie Jean King because they grew up in the same area. And Billie Jean was always just like a cunt to her. Like, would never even play her. Like, wouldn't even hit a ball with her. Like, mom was like a little younger and definitely prettier. And yeah. like, and, and Billie she Jean. She resented just, her for Yeah. That. And then, but she wasn't, so she never, but she was never like aggressive enough to be like, you know what? Fuck Billie Jean King. Yeah. Like, who the fuck is that? Is she famous? Fuck that. Yeah. I'm going to go out and beat her. I know. So she would always, you know, she would always lose. And that's that's who she lost to in the semis that year. That could have been her year, you know, but, but she didn't Tyke have that. Oof. Didn't have that, like, I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you that's down. That's that Han where nice. you're like, fuck everybody else. Here yeah. it is. Like, I have this anger in me and, and I'm going to take it out on you. Look, hear about the story. Tiger Woods, greatest golfer of all time. His Han was so fucking deep, man. I mean, it's crazy shit. Yeah. You just look at all these great athletes, and and it, there's some exceptions where people are, uh, you know, not as dark, but not yeah. enough great ones aren't, man. You know, I remember I used to do this a lot more often. Um, I, I call it the blood rage workout, right? So I would get in the gym, and it was like a, basically like a Han stimulating exercise. I didn't know what Han. I didn't call it Han at that point. Yeah, I just found but, this out about a week ago. By the yeah, way. so I would go through. I would get in a workout. I'd find like an exercise that I could really. I knew that I could really just burn myself to the ground with. You know, so whether it was kettlebells or whether it was traditional barbells or like hitting the bag, and then I would play out a scenario in my head where someone I love was being threatened. Like, for example, like I, me and my girl were in an alley, and then there was like. 10 dudes that were just going to fucking rape and murder her. And I had to like fight to the death oh, and yeah. I would just play this scenario. Right. And I would get to the point where I was like, I would dump all of that adrenaline and everything just by playing the scenario and starting to train. You went hard and just like building it up in my head and I would finish and I would be like fucking beat red and sweaty and my pulse would be going. There'd be fucking tears running down Jesus. my eyes. But it was like an, a little bit of an addicting I feeling bet, of man. like, feeling that much rage and what you're capable to do like to do with it and it was like kind of interesting and it would take me a while to settle down because those when those neurochemicals get going and it's like on a ramp it's like a bell curve you know so i couldn't calm down for a while i was like a weirdo i was like walking around i always have like a hoodie when i was doing that because i was crash hard Cause, yeah cause it, was, it was weird but it was i felt like it was a valuable exercise to just practice like getting on that ride so if i needed it I felt like, man, if I ever really needed that, like I could push that button. And See, you were like off. in a simulator, but Matt or uh, OJ Simpson was like, he was in the same shit, but he did it for real. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. I recommend, I mean, if no one's ever felt that, like I think it's important because otherwise it's going to take you by surprise. You know what I mean? Like if you've never felt that kind of feeling of rage, like go for it. Like try and build that, build that in just so you know. And then, in like a controlled environment. It's like your test environment. It's, I just watched Doctor Strange. It's like casting the fucking mirror dimension to yeah. practice your spells. You know, like do it in a safe environment where it's the gym so that, you know, if, so you, don't you, do get get, if you do get in a fight, you're not stomping yeah. someone until you kill them. Yeah. You know, you're like, like, okay, here's the rage curve. <laughs> let me let me get out the other side of the rage curve. Yeah, it's rare I get a rage like that. It, the only time, and I know I keep going back to my son, that's what's relevant. 
I was in uh, Santa Monica at this donut place going nuts on donuts. And uh, shout out to, uh, I think it's called Sidecar Donuts. And I'm, I have my uh, baby in one of those uh, kangaroo pouches that you carry on the front. Love those. He's cute as fuck in it. So I carry him like I'm a giant kangaroo. Yeah. And I'm going to, uh, to walk to my car and this old lady just looks like your normal I mean, grandma, whatever. And she goes, oh, he's so cute. I go, oh, thank you. We get it all the time, right? It's a baby. And she goes, oh, he's so cute. And I go, oh, thank you. And she grabs his foot. I'm like, that's ah, a little weird. She's old as fuck. Maybe that's how they did in the 40s or whatever. And she's like rubbing his foot. I'm like, it's cool. And then she starts rubbing his head. I'm like, God, she looks pretty normal. She's talking about kids, blah, blah, blah. And then I go, oh, you, you have grandchildren? And her face changes like fucking vroom. And she goes, no, I don't. And grabs my wrist and points at my tattoo and goes, what's this about? Like hard. What's this about? And in my head, I'm like, what's wrong with this crazy bitch? And I go, you know, I'm being respectful. I go, Oh, I got a bunch of tattoos. Um, it's a lot to get into. I definitely don't want to talk about it here. Have a good day, though. I appreciate you. And she goes, hold on. And I go, have a good day. And Because now I'm starting to get a little weird yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah. So I take my baby out. I'm going to put him in the car. And she goes, he needs to come with me. What? And there's a, there's a bunch of people outside the donut shop, sidecar donut. And she goes, the baby needs to come with me. And, I, and my girl's in the car. She's Mexican, so her haunt is deep as fuck. So I locked the door because I don't want her coming around getting arrested or some shit. And then the lady goes, <laughs> "You locked her in. I locked that's her in. Good for your, that's yes, good for your. Yes, I don't need two chicken heads going nuts here. <laughs> I have to knock two bitches out. And I go, I locked the door, and I go, just I got it. And so I'm unstrapping the baby, and I'm going to put him in. And she reaches over my shoulder, grab my kid, like like a fucking psycho, tails from the crypt, psycho. These weathered hands reach over to grab him, and I. Set my baby down. I turn around, and this Han came from the fucking depths of my ball sack up to my. <laughs> that is face. where Han begins, dude. Definitely, it's in, in your, ball your nuts. Sack. <laughs> I, dude, I, if that would have been a male in any facet and shape, I would have done some horrible things. That dude, but as an older lady, and there's people, with their cell phones out, blah blah blah, and I turn around, I was like. You better back the fuck. I, I almost didn't for the first. And I always have something to say. You know, yeah. man, I'm a chatty Kathy. <laughs> yeah. I was like speechless. I was like, you bit, you fucking bit, <laughs> you better get out of here. <laughs> and I got, and then she wouldn't leave. And I got in her face. So I'm like, I'm not going to tell you again. Get the fuck out of my face. Get away from my baby. I swear to God, I'm not going to tell you again. And in my head, I had this Han thing playing up where I'm like, I'm just going to grab by the old stupid neck and <laughs> Spike her on her head in front of everyone and get arrested. Imagine the headline: Shop spikes old grandma on face in Santa Monica. I'm, I'm, my career's over. Career's over. But I, I, at that time, you don't think about that stuff. Sure. I didn't. For the first time in my life, I was speechless. I was like, "You, you, you fucking bitch! Oh God, you get out of it!" Like the rage. Just yeah. There's no voice for rage like that. No. That no, crazy bitch a, left though. <laughs> yeah, she could feel it. Oh, dude, she could feel it. I, the the time that the time that I felt that like the the only time that I've really felt that come up was when some of there's these guys gathered around my car. One of them took my fiance at the time and smashed her face first into my car window. Hey man, yeah, hey like, bro, <laughs> hey, <laughs> what? Yeah, at that point it was so strong, like I pretty much blacked out. Like the the rage, you was went so, red. I like just went red. It was all like I hitting remember, that button on Batman Returns was Bane. Like, yeah, boom. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like I just remember, I don't even know how I got around the car. 
Like he was on the other side of the car. Somehow I like flew around the car. You're talking maybe about I, that hate flight? Maybe yeah. Maybe I went like maybe I went Dukes of Hazard over the hood. Maybe I just ran around it. I don't even fucking know. And I just just hit this guy as hard as I fucking could. Did he die? Like yeah, he went down. But like I honestly, I, my adrenaline was so high. I only remember like moments of that whole event, Isn't like, it weird? like flashes, like the rage was just at such a level. I couldn't record memory anymore. <laughs> it's like, your memory's like, we can't record this. Yeah. It's going to fuck them up. It's going to fuck them up. Don't record. Stop recording right now. How crazy is it, man? It was really, really wild. And it's when someone fucks with somebody, like if someone threw me into a car, I'd have been mad, but I would have probably Not remembered like it. Not like that. But you know, Dude, all my fucking what kind of? Hold on, what kind of savage? Hold on, let me emphasize the savage. What kind of fucking savage takes your fiance and rams her head into the car right? door? Right? Were they were, were, fucking were they, unreal? It was like four dudes, and like they were they were like throwing pizza. They were throwing pepperonis on my car. And and I was and, like, here, uh, try these. They're the best pepperonis I've ever yeah, had. And she, so, or they're like, fuck your no, car. No, like, fuck your car, right? And so she goes around on the passenger side to get in, <laughs> to get in. I don't mean and, to laugh. Uh, and she's like, and she goes, hey, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, what's up? What's up? I'll put my fucking meat wherever I want, bitch. And she goes, hey, hey, my boyfriend's here. Like, don't be disrespectful. And he just fucking grabs her head and goes shitting straight off the window and i was like <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck game yeah, on yeah. exactly that han comes yeah. game on yeah. and fucking fuck. red light yeah so flew around the car hit that dude ended up fighting the other dudes i don't even remember i don't fucking remember any part of the fight except for two moments one moment was the bigger like mexican dude threw a kick and like like a shitty round kick and i was like uh-uh i wish like, was no, like no way so i was like that like triggered in my brain like, he can't oh, fight i can kick him back yes so i fucking kicked Dude. him back and then like a few other like random moments and then i wake up from my fucking blackout and i'm standing in the street like standing looking around and i'm like what the fuck and i asked the valet i was like yo where'd they go and they're like they ran that way and i looked that way and they're gone Jesus. so i was like standing blacked out like fully blacked out. And I remember like at some point, Caitlin was on one of their backs and, and I was like, what the fuck happened? Like my emotions are like crazy. Like, man, you were fighting those dudes. It was crazy. It's like, what the fuck were you doing? Like, thanks for the help. Like, it's been you just, fun. <laughs> you're like, well, I'm like, dude, it's crazy. You flew over. The guy knocked you out. Your girl got up, whooped all their asses, yeah. revived you. <laughs> That's what just they could have told me that. I would have known. I How like, crazy I thought is I that? The dude, but I... hey, what kind of fucking savages take <laughs> right? a girl's head, and ram in the car door? I know, and it was the same exact spot that that Roger Huerta scene happened, where that dude came yes. and, and like fucking did the crow hop, one like to leaping punch to the girl in the back of the head. Fuck, the exact man. same spot. So that spot was just like an attractor for we ain't crazy going there tonight. violence against women. I don't need Hans like, Yeah, out. it's a gay club now, so it's super chill. It's just... Well, yeah, it's, maybe you should check it out. <laughs> Dude, weird, that's nuts. It's a weird thing when emotions get to that level. You know, at that level... There's like, nothing you, think you can do to control? harness that either. Nope. There's nothing you can do. Nope. That's, just, that's just... That's the real level. No practicing, no no anything. You I just got to hope that... I don't know what you call that. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if there's a conscious... It's autopilot at that point. But and we talk, when we talk about this in sports, you know, they talk about uh being in the zone yeah. you, being in the zone it only happened to me once in my entire life ever it happened in football but in fighting it happened once gabriel gonzaga 
I remember the I remember walking out in my warm up and going, "All right, if I don't beat Gabriel Gonzaga, I'm going to stop and move on with my life." And I was undefeated in the UFC at the time. I lost to Roy that two knockouts in a row, so my career was getting off to a start. I remember thinking, if I can't beat Gabriel Gonzaga, who's ranked like nine or ten at the time, I'm just going to stop because this price is not for me. Like I'm just going to be a guy, and this is a yeah. terrible life if you're just a guy. <laughs> I'm walking the cage, tell myself that. I'm like, let's see what happens. I don't remember what happens after that. I don't. I couldn't tell you the fight. Wow. I remember being conscious, like coming to end of the third round and uh, being like, God, he looks fucking worn out. I've been whooping his ass. <laughs> and I'm like, man, you like jujitsu. He's a world champion. Shoot on him. Yeah. And and that was not the plan. And my team's like, no. And I shoot and there's like 10 seconds left and he takes my back. Almost lost the fight. But I remember. Should I was have like, stayed blacked out. Yeah. But I remember, like, God, if I could just tap into that every fight, yeah, I'll be world sure. champion. Man, Weird. Getting the mind like out that. of the way. The mind is either your greatest ally or an impediment. Again, to go back to stories that my mom said about tennis. Because tennis is such a fucking mental game. Oh it's like God, golf, right? so mental. She said there's two players that are really dangerous. The ones that have harnessed the ability of their own mind and really utilize that as a weapon. And the people who just go out brain dead. And she's like, the two examples she used was uh, Jimmy Connor and Bjorn Borg. who are like old tennis champions. Sure, I'm aware and of them. Jimmy Connors was like a very cerebral kind of player like there like was always king would always like figuring shit out and used his mind as a weapon and then bjorn borg was just straight up watching cartoons and then would stretch like fucking white man can't jump like a few like little uh, and then uh, go do his thing and then just go to his not even think about it you'd ask him about the match be like yeah played some tennis yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah hit a fucking yellow ball back you know, and forth. But, but either way the mind was either a weapon or it was out of the way if I you're know. in the middle then the mind gets in the way and then that's when you get some shitty performance i've been in the back and i won't say who this guy is successful guy but huge fight coming up and i was actually uh i think i was cornering a guy then and he's on his uh he's on an old school game boy playing tetris yeah. and he's like the next fight up I'm like you're up and he goes huh and it was like You'd have thought like he was, like he's your producer right here. Like he's like, do what? Like you're up. And he's like, right now. And they're like, yeah, man. He goes, all right. Hey, pause this. Don't let anyone touch that. Goes up, does like, like a white man can't jump, but even <laughs> shit here. And he's like, oh, and goes out there and beats the shit out of the guy. And I was like, oh, I want that, man. <laughs> yeah, I need sure. that. But I, I'm what? Fuck your Tetris. I'm back there. Like, what's going on yeah, here? You know, like sure. I just, I was I the can't same shut way, down. Man. I couldn't, I couldn't. I had to learn how to use the mind rather than shut it off. I think that's like more of an innate gift yes. to be able to do. Well, fuck, man. This has been fun. That was fun. Yeah. Wherever sure. those savages are that threw your girl. <laughs> Come at us, bro. Dude, I We had some Han built up, son. <laughs> I looked for them because I would only recognize them if they were all together. Like I, my memory was so shitty. I wouldn't have recognized any one of them individually. But I remember there was the white guy with this like slick back hair and shaved sides and this Mexican with his fat face that tried to kick me. And these two like two black dudes. If they were all together, I would have recognized them. But fuck, I, I bet don't they're know still friends. Like. Hey, Mexican who threw the Charlie Brown kick. <laughs> yeah. We'll be out tonight. We'll be out tonight, <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. Come, come with that weak come ass. Come at us, bro. Come Let's with that, see that kick these he, days, like, bitch. Aimed it, he like aimed it like straight at my hip, too. I don't know if he's like trying to high kick. <laughs> no, he's just not flexible. He's off. Was like, <laughs> it was like neither leg kick nor body kick. It like, it's like hip. I was like, you kick me in the hip? Dude, like, what are you doing? I celebrate that guy in a shitty kick. <laughs> the guy we need to fucking Kirby is the guy who threw your fiance yeah, in the face. For sure. For God sure. damn it. That's hilarious. Well, and it's not. <laughs> follow Brandon Schaub. Fucking listen to Fighter and the Kid, one of my favorite podcasts. And fucking love life. Enjoy this shit. Yeah, Relax. man. Get rid of that Han. Get rid of that Han. Love you, everybody. Peace.